and gentlemen. Uh, Can I please have your attention? Daniel Jigger! Dear listeners, this is Jonah Goldberg, host of the Remnant Podcast, brought to you by The Dispatch and thedispatch.com. Go to thedispatch.com to find out the clever thing I should have said in this sentence because I couldn't figure it out now. Um, okay, so we are, um, we are back doing um, the morning drive time format. Don't worry, the ruminant's not going away. All, your, all contradictions will be resolved in your favor. Um, we will live in the sunny uplands of auditory history for all time. Um, the kingdom of perfect podcasting is nigh, but um, I'm exhausted. It's been a very busy week. Lots of things going on behind the scenes. Many, you know, people don't appreciate how much subterranean uh, shovel fighting to the death takes out of you. But I've been doing a lot of that this week. And, um, you know, it, you, you, you crave in enough craniums with your, 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 your custom made shovel. And, it makes it kind of hard to do punditry. So uh, instead, we decided to do this again. We got a lot of feedback from people saying they liked it. We got some feedback from saying people, I liked it, but I like the the solo remnants better. Um, and we got a lot of stuff in between. We're going to do some reader feedback, uh, listener feedback stuff on this episode, but we're just going to do another one of these things and see if the last one was a fluke or not. And if it, if it turned out that it was a fluke, uh, all these guys will be dead by morning. So uh, we have here, uh, in no particular order, Nick Pompella, my researcher and ersatz producer type at, at the American Enterprise Institute. We got uh, uh, Ryan from the Dispatch. Um, I'm spacing on your last name. Ryan Brown. That's it. That's Jeez. the one. That was a hard one. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this immediately okay. shows you exactly why i needed to be propped up on this morning's <laughs> podcast um and we got this uh deracinated uh, uh quasi milk toast limey guy named guy denton our intern in london who uh every time i ask him anything about london or english politics or just english history british history <laughs> cuisine <laughs> blows me away by the, the the depths of his indifference and ignorance i mean literally it's like he was raised in a refrigerator box watching american tv in england and knows nothing of his home country and i mean he he is he is to judaism he is to england what i am to judaism except i am so much better a jew than he is an english person and like i i can i can tell you things about israel i can tell you things about judaism and stuff i have i was raised in a, in a milk toasty version of of faith but at least i i got some of it I, like literally i'm not sure he knows what the name of the queen is anyway guy denton is here um <laughs> shut up guy and uh um it's uh you're filibustering already um anyway hey, at least he knows your name guy <laughs> yeah but it's so it, but see they, here's the weird irony for years when we had interns at ai as long as i would just basically call it, hey guy like i just, yeah, I just used it perfect. as a, a generic you know because they told me i could no longer hr told me i could no longer refer to them as oh piss boy um, <laughs> and uh so guy was like yeah you lucked out with guy up. then yeah, I that's did. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Jonah is true to his word. He has never referred to me with any any profanity that I can recall, at least. I think that's right. Um, <laughs> wow. That could change. Could discipline. rapidly change. That's true discipline. <laughs> it's, it's, well, except as, as you guys can attest, when we start this thing, I will often say things like, greetings, bitches, and, um, <laughs> and, have, and, and have fairly blanket uh, in curses and invective at all of you as a collective rather than any individual. And I have flipped you the finger a couple times on, on zoom guy. Just, like, I just want to be clear. We know we're, we're doing a little true squatting here. So. That, that was justified in fairness. Even it was, I, was, you that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I, mean I, you know, I'm not a huge, I don't like the, you know, the logic of spousal or child abuse, but sometimes they ask for it. <laughs> wow. That's you, good. Brave, brave. So, well, it's great to know that you're not a fan, Jonah. That's, that's a good brave. 
this podcast um, is officially against all of that. <laughs> when it comes up for a vote, I vote against it. I mean, I issue lots of press that. releases about it, but, you know, you know when, it, when push comes to shove, you know, I vote against the logic of child abuse and spousal abuse. Just, you know. That's that's who I am. I'm a human. That's just the kind of guy you are. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, Didn't you guys see the Liz Cheney interview last night on Special Report? Yes, actually. Yeah. You didn't. I I don't have cable. I don't have cable, so I didn't. You don't have cable. It's interesting because you work. I hired you to work for a news organization, (laughs) and uh, I just get it the next day. Yeah. I mean, you you. you have a computer, I can tell, right? So I do, I do okay. have a computer. That's, that's good. That's good. Um, I, I used to have YouTube TV, but then I, now I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just get it online usually the next day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you get the Cheney interview online the next day? <laughs> I watched the, the Savannah <laughs> Guthrie one. <laughs> Staying loyal to my NBC people. Okay. But uh, yeah, cause, you know, that one was good. That one was long. That is really the way you want to market yourself internally at the dispatch as NBC's guy inside the dispatch. Yeah. And I don't mean, yeah, I don't mean like Guy Denton here. I mean, you know, right. like, yeah, in Mufti, you know, right. behind spy. enemy lines. Yeah. Spy, yeah. Twice a day, you're calling Chuck Todd with yeah. the goods. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, Guy didn't watch it because, um, well, he, I'm sure he likes American cable news shows and, and looks at them like a, kid with his nose pressed up against the window of a candy <laughs> store um he, he can't watch them over there so that's what it's right of. anyway i thought it was interesting it got a little tense and heated um yeah um brett was clearly getting a little uh riled i think is fair to say um hmm. and um i think that uh uh liz cheney Again, you always have to say with these things, like whenever you do punditry about this, it's one of these, it's one of the weirder things about uh, weirder moments in conservative punditry in that before you can do any of like the cynical, hard bitten, you know, what's their motivation? What's the real play here kind of stuff? You first have to say, of course, she's telling the truth. Of course, <laughs> right. she's right. You know, I mean, yeah. you normally right. don't have to do. Right. It's like, you know, when, when you're arguing about comprehensive, comprehensive immigration reform, you don't have to say, well, of course, Lindsey Graham's right, because maybe he isn't. And, you know, but this is like one of these weird things where you have to sort of proclaim yeah. your allegiance to the, the 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 flame of truth or whatever. And um, it's funny. I was listening to the editor's podcast uh, the, at, over at NR with my friends over there, and they have to do it, too. I mean, it was just like I was listening to it, each one before they sort of talk about whether what Cheney was doing was smart or not. Well, of course she's telling the truth. I mean, of course she's like right on the merits, but, um, which is a weird place for conservative punditry to be at this point that you, you know, it's like, well, it's, it's sort of like, well, of course Hitler was bad, but you know, I mean, you're not, there's some things you're not supposed to say, (laughs) you know, that you have to say, but, um, it's just, this is one of those things. Do any any of you guys know people in your daily life who actually think the election was stolen? Oh, boy. Um, I I think I knew. Well, this is the funny part. I I knew a couple of people who basically, uh, maybe this is just part of the American character in regard to elections now. Maybe this happened before and maybe you actually have more experience with this. But, you know, because of how weird the actual voting process was in terms of what do you do when you show up at ballot box and, and um, particularly in Pennsylvania where a lot of my family and friends voted, where we had this situation where people had to fill in special weird atypical ballots and stuff like that. Um, uh, People sort of assumed that this meant that there was some finagling going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. just sort of a, a general skepticism if anything yeah. went wrong or atypical or out of the norm, you know, among sort of the more kind of middle-class Republican people that I'm still in touch with in Pennsylvania and stuff like that. But I don't know anyone who's actually conspiratorial, right? It's like yeah. basically the second that everyone that I knew realized that this had become some kind of an insane 
uh, I don't even know, sort of punditry type talking point that we should be suspicious of every aspect of how the election was run or something like that. I don't actually know anyone who endorses that. Um, there yeah, were, know, there like was a... some kind of baseless skepticism at the beginning that very quickly gave way to a combination of not caring and um, rejecting the conspiracy, the conspiracies, essentially. I don't know. Yeah, I know like a fair amount that are like, well, hey, it's not going to hurt to check. Like we might as yeah. well audit everything we can. But exactly. I don't think I actually know anyone that's like, no, 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 like Trump, Trump won. Like, but I mean, this like, is a travesty. Doesn't hurt to check in terms of like court challenges and that kind of stuff. Or do we need to get, you know, the guys from CSI down here and find out if these ballots <laughs> are made of bamboo? I mean, because there's a different things, right? Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, what, what degree of crazy are we talking, I guess? But nothing, I haven't talked to anyone that's like, yeah, we should follow through on this Arizona thing. But I think earlier on, maybe they were like, yeah, maybe we should look into how some of this was conducted. But at this point, yeah, I think everyone's kind of just like, yeah, this is a little bit crazy, but they don't care. It's not going to change your mind. Um, and I'm I don't know if you I don't know if you if you're so bigoted against your home country, you even talk to English <laughs> people. But like, <laughs> is anybody talking about it over there, guy? I, uh, well, I, I am, so no, not really, I don't. But I have known people in the past who were, who were either vehement anti-vaxxers or who thought the Bush administration was behind 9-11 and things like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if there are plenty of people here who go along with it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so, like, wow. You know, this, this is... Hey, this is, this, is a, it, this is an organic segue into something substantive. Wow. Um... <laughs> so, like, this is one of my great peeves about, um, no, so uh, long-term listeners probably know uh, I have mixed feelings about Richard Hofstetter, the political historian. Um, some of his stuff is great. Some of his stuff is, I think, garbage. Um, and some of his good stuff is, has, is marbled with garbage. Um, sort of like a, a Wagyu steak that has bad fat in it or something. And, um... Uh, but one of the, what his arguably one of his three most famous things was the paranoid style in American politics. And in part because of when it was written in part because of who he was using as examples, it has come down through the ages that when you talk about the paranoid style in American politics, you are referring to crazy right wingers. Like that's what it basically means. Mm. And, um, the truth is, is I think there is a paranoid style in American politics. It's, and the title of the essay was in fact perfectly accurate. It's American politics. It is a American problem. And yeah. you look at the crazy stuff about Israel on Twitter these days from lefties, including blue yeah. mark lefties. You look at stuff about, you know, the Koch brothers, you know, all of our conspiracy theory episodes on this podcast get into this. Um, it's, it's a bipartisan and nonpartisan thing. Anti-vaxxing prior to the pandemic was disproportionately an upscale liberal progressive thing with, right. you know, pockets of it, major right. pockets of it in like Southern California. Right. All that kind of stuff. In my neighborhood, every year we have this parade on MacArthur Boulevard in DC. And um, there's always a contingent of super woke moms with their signs talking about GMO pills and GMO food right. and all. I mean, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's a yeah. kind of an American thing. And, um, and so it just, it, it always, it always, it never bothered me that much when people pointed to the paranoia of parts of the American right, because it was true to say that, that, but if it gets back to like one of my favorite Simpsons lines, you know, where, where Millhouse is, you know, the thing about those Shelbyville kids is they like candy for the sweet, sweet taste, right? <laughs> unlike Springfield kids, I mean, like unlike kids, <laughs> right. you know. I mean, everyone like yeah. that's why they like candy. No one, no one likes candy for the nutritional value. But Jonah, and, the, the fire hydrants in Shelbyville were yellow. You couldn't blame them for being paranoid. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. Right. And so, um, uh, what's going to really bother me is the getting back to the election stuff and the bread interview. Um, uh, is the long rolling Mott and Bailey argument that is unfolding in front of our eyes. So 
in the weeks after the election, the claims were Venezuela, you know, Hugo Chavez, you know, what friggin' Roger Stone literally said that the North Koreans had sent cargo ships full of fraudulent ballots through Maine um, uh, to steal the election. And what's her name? What's the crazy lady's name? Uh, Powell. Yeah. Sydney Powell. Uh, Sydney Powell. You know, she's talking about the Chinese conspiracy, all this kind of stuff. And that stuff has a half-life. That's why they're still looking for friggin' bamboo content and balance in Arizona. But yep. what is what what is slowly happening is so you know what a Mont Bailey argument is, right? It's when you make some wildly outlandish claim, you know, um all people named Todd are hermaphrodites. Right. <laughs> and then someone says, I don't think that's really true. And you or you know, how do you say that? And then you retreat and make a much more defensible claim. Look, I'm not. All I'm saying is that that Todd has is a, is kind of oddly effeminate or whatever, right? And um, and politics is full of this kind of stuff. Like you know, uh, all policing is yeah. derived from slave patrols. And then right. you say that's not true. That is in fact false. They'll say, well, it's true that in South Carolina there were some slave patrols that were converted into early police departments. Yes, that's true. That's true. What yeah. does that have to do with the Boston police department? What does that do with right. the right. Minneapolis police department? And so like, uh, Brett was getting a lot of grief last night on Twitter. Um, because Brett said, and rightly, I think, you know, with a few exceptions on the panels, uh, that, you know, special report at least has, had not trafficked in the election was stolen stuff. They did some good serious reporting saying that's not true. It wasn't stolen, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in response to Liz saying, because Liz had said, you know, Fox needs to treat this stuff more ter- more seriously. It needs to tell, it has a special obligation to tell its viewers the election wasn't stolen. Brett got defensive, said, well, look, if you're talking about this show, we didn't do that. We we, we reported the, the truth, blah, 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 blah. And then like a half hour later for when it came time for the panel, you know, one of the guests was, was Molly Hemingway, who's got a book coming right. out yeah. called Rigged. How right, the right. Democrats seize the election, and <laughs> right. um, and I haven't seen, I didn't see what she said on it. I very much doubt that she said anything about the election being stolen on, on the panel thing. But that brings me just to my Mott and Bailey point, which is that Trump and Giuliani. You know, remember Giuliani said that he was shocked to learn that most ballots in American elections aren't are counted overseas. Right? I think they that's said, an exact quote. Yeah. Yeah. They said <laughs> back one oh crazy things. They filled people's heads with this permission structure to believe that the election was stolen. And then they do these clawbacks. You know, as Sidney Powell tells a courtroom, tells a judge, no reasonable person, sh- I can't be held liable because no reasonable person should have believed me in the first place, which right. is like not the ideal argument for a lawyer. Um, <laughs> right. Well, well, it's the it's the Alex Jones argument. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. and, and Tucker's lawyers made the argument too. Right. Is that like, I'm right. an entertainer. So why are you you know why are you taking me seriously? So it was Maddow's, I believe. Like this is happening. Yeah, Maddow's done it too. And yeah. that's right. And it was also implicit in 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 um, it wasn't as a legal thing, but as a cultural thing, implicit in a lot of John John Stewart stuff when he was a Daily Show host. He was like, right, clown mm, nose yeah. off, or clown nose on, clown nose off. Yeah. You get you push back and you say dude you know you you're saying ridiculous things is well i'm just a i'm just a comedian right. you know i'm on my show comes on after a puppet show and then you go back to yeah. saying you know dick cheney needs to be put in jail you know i mean it's like yeah. there's there's a lot of that kind of hiding behind entertainment status but that's not what Cindy powell was doing that's certainly not what she was trying to do right. i mean at least right. lynn lynn wells lynn wood lynn wood which, lynn wood two days ago he's saying that trump is still president and if the military needs first strike authorization, they're going to go to him instead of Biden, which is, um, you know, that's the kind of thing the orderly should come and like make you take your meds. But uh, <laughs> anyway, just to the Martin Bailey point, you can see it changing before our eyes that what is going to be is basically the argument, which, you know, I think has a lot of merit to it. I made this argument in a, in a way myself is that we made all sorts of changes because of the pandemic to how we mm-hmm. voted, mm-hmm. they benefited Democrats. Joe Biden benefited from them. I don't think that means he stole the election, 
But yeah. I think that's the sort of like, that's the Mott and Bailey argument from, you know, like hermaphrodite, all Todd's are hermaphrodites to, well, you know, we just, uh, um, you know, they, they, they exploited the pandemic to win some precincts in Philadelphia, which is, is where we're going with this. And right. it's going to be very, 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 very frustrating. <laughs> and therefore yeah. now we're checking for bamboo in the envelopes. It's <laughs> That's just exactly a logical, right. uh, I thought it was interesting. You could see the, the conventional wisdom of that, of exactly what you're saying, forming in real time. The, uh, the write-up that Fox has about the interview very amusingly titles George P. Bush, Texas official and descendant of the two former presidents, Bush, but <laughs> which is a very, it's a very bizarre way to phrase that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. I don't know what he's an official for in Texas, but it was interesting. Like agriculture commissioner or something. Is that I right, think Ryan? he's, I think he's the railroad commissioner or something like that. That's which actually is a real extreme, job. Yeah. No, but it's an extremely yeah. powerful job in Texas because of all oh, the oil. Like it's like, yeah. It's hmm. it's like near the top, near governor, actually. It sounds it's ridiculous, like, but if you dig into it a little bit, you're like, no, oh, no, I yeah, think that's that right. It's like, yeah. it's like in, I think there's some state where like the state insurance commissioner is like, um, you know, has one ring to rule them all kind of power. Um, <laughs> maybe not Florida, because the Florida governor is a strong governorship. Um, and that reminds me, Deng Xiaoping, I believe his, you know, for his last few years in office, or in, in, in alive, I should say, not in office, um, as the ruler of China, his only formal title, I believe, was um, uh, like chairman of the State Athletic Commission or something like that. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I, I always liked because it's sort of like, um, you know, those those, mo- those those machine bosses in Boston who like, who you know, the, the Tammany types who run everything, but their their formal job is they're like the Parks and Rec Commissioner. Um, right and the mayor is just some sort of you know figurehead um i kind of <laughs> like that stuff but right it's like um, so his official Hirohito. i just looked it up george p bush's official title is uh land commissioner which means he's responsible for managing lands and mineral rights owned by the state oil right yeah. so it's like he but but it was interesting right because it's sort of you're using him to cite as someone who's sort of just like a party machine kind of guy at the state level oh, yeah, or maybe or, or whatever. And basically they, they read out, you know, as a response to this interview, he tweets out, you know, Republicans deserve leadership that represents the views of their constituents, not their own personal vendettas. We need leaders in Congress that stand up for conservative Republican ideology. Liz Cheney is not that leader. So instead of training fire on the president, she should have been training fire on Biden and that agenda. Which is weird because Biden is the president. Whatever. Yeah. So that's a what couple, he, a couple things on that. First of all, it wasn't in response to the interview because. Oh, interesting. Read, Did it come read, read from that tweet in the interview? Yeah. Um, okay, that was during. Okay, I got my timeline. And and okay. yesterday, George P. Bush, he first tweeted that tweet, but he instead of saying "training fire," he said "raining fire." Ah. And he spelt it like like King, like R E I G N. No, which is wrong. Um, And and so people like dunked on him about it. So he deleted the tweet and then retweeted it with training fire. Um, But he kept that. He kept the language in there where he said. Where he referred to Trump as president, but Biden just as Biden, which is right. Kind of weird, you know, but it's Um, a it's an interesting thing, right? Because it's to exactly your point, which is that the argument is it incorporates all of the very much populist pro Trump argumentation about both Trump and Cheney. But it's sort of like it's an interesting thing, right? Because it's very it's very populist. It's very like we don't like this person. But then it's also sort of a very elite argument because it's coming from kind of this party suit guy. And he's basically saying, well, Cheney had to go because she was just sort of impolitic. Right. Right. Which was which is a different version of the same point of, um, well, she's right, but it's a similar thing. Well, she may be correct, but this is sort of it's it's imprudent to to say these sorts of things. But the thing that she's being imprudent about is Correct. not, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just no, no, very it, strange. It, it, it's weird. Also, I, I like calling Trump 
I mean, I like calling George P. a descendant of two presidents because <laughs> does that mean like when he gives speeches and stuff, he can talk about my ancestors, President Bush and <laughs> President Bush? Yes. I mean, like, <laughs> is he going to make a is he going to make a hereditary argument to be president? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who wrote who who wrote the write up of the special report thing that you were reading? That is, let me look, Charles Kreitz. Okay, I don't know because okay. there's this like I. I haven't listened to the Ruthless podcast, you know, with Josh Holmes and um and oh. and, and Smug, and yeah. um, I know Smug and I, things have kind of kind of soured on our Twitter relationship, but I got no personal animosity towards the guy. I just I sometimes think that he lost sight of wh- the fact that he was trolling people and started to believe his trolls a little too much. But <laughs> I could be completely wrong about that. But Holmes is a good guy and he's a smart guy and he knows things. And I I hear it's a good podcast. I just haven't listened to it. But, and feel free to chalk this up as professional jealousy if you like, but uh, there's this guy, Wolfson, um, who's a media reporter for Fox, who seems like all the time writing up what these two guys say on the Ruthless podcast as if it's news. Oh my God. And I've, uh, like, I've literally gotten notifications on my phone. <laughs> Ruthless podcast says Biden is yeah. losing it. And I'm like... <laughs> like let, let's let's stipulate that that the ruthless podcast is 10 times more newsworthy than the remnant a hundred times more newsworthy than the remnant a hundred times zero is still zero <laughs> and i just yeah. i mean I, I i i i am i am impressed with their pr chops that they got this kind of co- i mean like what other like you know dan bongino says on his podcast who gives a rat's ass how that sentence ends? Right. And like, I just, it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm Ron Burgundy talking to Baxter about eating all the cheese. I'm not mad. I'm impressed, <laughs> you know, but it just, it's weird to me. Like if um, we, if I'm we, sure we wanted to do clicks. that, if we wanted to do that for anything that was said on this show, we would need to have Ryan write it for the dispatch. <laughs> it, yeah, would be, right. it would be An the official, saddest thing in the yeah. world. <laughs> where or he could phone it into his true paymasters at NBC, at, at NBC <laughs> and, and right, tell them yeah. you know <laughs> Gold, Goldberg half-heartedly rejects logic of spousal abuse insane tells insane joke about Mary and Barry <laughs> uh. since we're talking about podcasts uh uh, we are not quite doing a AMA, but we were going to respond to some, uh, reviews, criticisms and stuff. Um, I was looking at the, which I do every now and then at the iTunes reviews for this, um, August podcast. And, um, uh, we do very well with reviews. We got like, there, there are 5,000 yeah, reviews and like four high 4,000 of them are five stars, you know? So yeah. We do well. With iTunes people. says we're five point five out of five stars. Like that's how many positive reviews there. Yeah. So just so, great. Yeah. So suck it, everybody. But anyway. <laughs> the, uh, but no. But those um, are never funny. But the, but the five out of fives are never funny. So yeah. <laughs> and, and and um. But I look at every other. It's and it's weird because it's like delayed. Like there are always reviews from like two weeks ago. By the time they show up in there, at least it feels that way. And so I, like I have to remember what some people are mad about in it um <laughs> mm-hmm. but like so this is something that doesn't just apply to the remnant it applies to the dispatch it applies to my column there are a bunch of reviewers who just say like i just saw one says something like enough with the biden worship yeah, yeah. you know and that kind of stuff and like i it's like people you know to this day still say i was pro hillary and i still have like an offer for like a thousand dollars to find a single like passage of my writing in 20 years that was pro hillary um and uh like steve got into a big back and forth with uh a lifetime member of the dispatch in the comments the other day uh who was very angry with our coverage of the cheney stuff and i got a bunch of people in response to the g file on wednesday in response to the cheney stuff saying you got to let this go you know blah 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 all you do is talk about trump and that's that's not true of me, but it's really not true of like the dispatch. And there's right. just this weird thing where 
people there's and I, I remembered from the Clinton years, there are people who are obsessed. There were people who were obsessed with Clinton who were who manifested their obsession by being obsessed with people who were negatively obsessed with Clinton. So what they would right. do is why can't you let go? And like, so I could write 10 columns, not about Clinton. And then I write one column about Clinton. Right. See, you can't give it up. Right. right. You know, like right. you get, you're obsessed. And I was like, no, yeah. you're sitting there like a friggin' cat waiting outside, you know, waiting for the mouse yeah. to come out from under the chair so you can grab it for me to write something about Clinton. So you can say I'm obsessed, but I like, I've write mm. you know, lots of things. Same thing with Trump. If you just go back and you look at what I've written, you know, yeah, I write about Trump when he matters or when he comes up or in the context of this stuff. But um, like the dispatch doesn't is just not Trump obsessed. But there are a lot of people who feel like any any reminder of that their views on Trump have drawbacks to them um, feel like that's a sign of somebody else's obsession. And it's, it's, it's a right annoying frustration of mine anyway. Yeah. Um, well, any fun they're ones? all my troll accounts. So sorry for that, guys. I, I put it on every article, even the one that guy wrote about Sinatra. I commented, "Trump, Trump, Trump." All you <laughs> <about> Trump. <laughs> In fairness, Sinatra did apparently despise Trump, so it would have made sense. Really? Like, implicitly, yeah. the dispatch still can't give it up. Look who they're worshiping! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hey, there's only room for one celebrity in the mob game. Okay, I totally understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were some good ones. Um, okay, so my favorite one is from JC793. It's titled, Jonah's Tired. He's really, really tired. <laughs> three, three stars. Three, three stars. <laughs> Average. I mean, if that you meant little... I'm literally tired fact check true right but yeah. like yeah you know, i i feel like there was a little more sort of spin and and sarcasm in in there well to, to let yeah, you into it so. to let you into a green room conversation that happened with chris Dyerwald when we were talking recently he said someone should put together a super cut of jonah saying that he's tired on the, on the <laughs> podcast and it'll just be 40 minutes <laughs> but there's this there's a, now- you know I will take it upon myself to make that happen as yeah. as Great. secondary podcast editor to Caleb. I, I, I just want to be clear that in terms of like, well, that's a, it's, a, it's it's a funny idea. No one actually wants to listen to forty minutes of me saying I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Only Four Chris minutes, Starwell. maybe you know. <laughs> Only Chris Starwell. Oh uh, this one's from this one's from to our point earlier. I mean, there are a lot of these, but. This is from Big Tommy. The Biden worshiping has to stop. Can you just come out as a Democrat and stop playing games? So tired of the constant gaslighting and that prepubescent vapid girl laugh is just too much. <laughs> one star. On the, on the last one, I, look, there's there's some fairness there. I mean, um, I, uh, I, I, it's funny. I was just talking to my wife this morning about, like, I saw Kamala Harris. Um, on TV and laughing her ass off at something that she was trying to get out of her mouth at the same time. And, um, and I was like, I was like, I had to head off criticism. I was like, look, I know I, as a social signal, I will laugh at my own jokes too much. And I know I have a bad laugh, but man, do I hate Kamala. (laughs) Um, but it's true. I, on the laugh thing. Yeah. I I just don't, I don't, I honestly, I mean, I, I sincerely don't get, the um the claim that i'm a biden worshiper or that i've become a liberal i mean i just i don't i I have never seen the only the only place that makes any sense is if you define conservatism solely as loyalty to this one strain of of the republican party which right makes no sense to me but i i you know makes a lot of sense to people who you know think that liz cheney's a liberal now too right well, I think it's, right. it, it, to me, I, I wonder if some of this is almost to your earlier point about when people talk about, God, you're so obsessed with Trump. I wonder if it's a similar thing where some of these criticisms are just coming from a place of not, hey, you write this thing all the time or you say this thing all the time that I dislike. Because, of course, you don't say a lot of this stuff that often. There's nothing in your writing or what you talk about that would... 
uh, assume that you're somehow partisan for the current administration or something like that. But I think it's just a reflection of what they've seen recently, where what that statement is actually saying is I've seen a lot of news recently that kind of pissed me off. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm taking it out on you because I think I like you and then you pissed me off. Which right. is, I think, I think what that is, it's, that's them saying, ah, I wanted to like this, but now I'm pissed off. I don't know. It's a very strange, I don't understand I think, any internet comment. So I think, and I then, think there's something that, yeah. Yeah. And then if you don't say exactly what they agree with, then they're going to comment. How dare you, how dare you say what you just said? Um, right. I, I, I let an earlier oddness go, Nick, but like, when you were talking about your friends or relatives who voted in Pennsylvania, yeah, you you used something that sounded like a neologism or a really botched attempt at Yiddish. You said finangling, um, or yes. something. Yeah, okay, finangling. Fin I fin I need to enunciate finagling. Okay, and then just now you sound like you've had you sounded like you've been hanging out way too much with Guy because you. <laughs> said i don't think you have any partisan like i'm living in the hills of <laughs> oh no the balkans shooting at nazis or something you know oh i've become a i've become a snob oh I mean, god <laughs> i mean part charlie cook says partisan shit i mean he like he nails the zan so hard it sounds like again you're talking about gorillas in the hills not like like partisans <laughs> Oh god. Um, it's it's very strange. If you start saying aluminum the way guy does then um <laughs> you're, you're out of here. But um, well, I, well guy probably says it aluminum because, you know, because he wants to be an American. How do you say aluminum? Right. Uh, aluminum. <laughs> no, come on. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe that for a second. Uh, 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 now say al aluminum. Aluminium, is that the one you're referring to? Well, it's a different spelling, Jonah, in fairness. So I, I, I would adopt the American one. It's a different is that spelling? true? What? It, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that's true. If it's not, I, I want us to cut this out, but I'm pretty sure it's spelled different. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, this, this is how we're finally going to get written up at Fox News Media. This is, this is <laughs> breaking news. About the, oh, God. The, so aluminium is spelled differently than aluminum? I'm, I believe, yeah. An extra uh, only, I, maybe. Only subtly, yes, but that's where it comes from. I love, I see the headline now. The Remnant invents new spelling of aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> when will it end? <laughs> <laughs> no, for, no, it has to be further sign of Trump obsession. Comes up with new spelling of aluminum. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I like this one. I like this one. Back to the reviews, I guess. Uh, this one's from Mike, pronounced like Nike. So I guess it's Mikey. The title okay. is Jonah Stoner? Question mark. <laughs> Back in the 60s, we'd gather on a Friday evening and smoke a joint. One dude would ramble endlessly, spewing random thoughts from various professors, even occasionally relevant to each other. Stream of consciousness without a point. Jonah reminds me of those days in his podcast. Three stars. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that a, I don't know why maybe in Four Weddings and a Funeral where the uh, the guy says um, talking about someone he knew in boarding school just buggered me senseless but taught me a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Three yeah. stars. Thanks for saying that. That's more than 50%. That's great. <laughs> and then this, this one's kind of, in the, kind of in the same vein from Cincinnati Duke, which I think is awesome. Uh -huh. uh, Getting Too Long is the title. I'm a big fan of, and have listened to Jonah religiously for years, but there are now too many remnant podcasts and they are too long. I simply don't have time to listen just to Jonah. I hate to say it, but is he trying to compete with John Podoritz for verbiage? <laughs> wow. Four stars. Oh, my. Ooh, Four stars. Okay. Four oh, stars. That takes the edge off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Are you trying to compete with, with Pod? I, I, there's, no, there's no way to compete with Pod. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, I mean, look, I mean, like, that's not fair. The one way I could compete with Pod is to launch a podcast with no guests and no one to talk to where I just talk myself, right? That's the only right. way you can, 
that's like the only way you can compete in the arms race with with pod is um is that but um no i mean i'm 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 i don't i don't think i am but I, I i i i i mean i get the point i i totally understand why someone want to want yeah. want to listen to me do stream of consciousness one of the most frequent pieces of criticism i get about the solo remnant is how I constantly complain about how I don't know what I'm doing and I feel really weird doing it. So like I stipulated, I get the criticism. Yeah. You all tell right. us that all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, one more and then we should probably do something of substance. Cause I can, I, I okay. can feel someone like cleaning their oven right now or walking their dog <laughs> saying, why am I listening to this? So um, <laughs> I'll end yeah. on a, I can end on a good one. Uh-huh. This is from Janice at one, two, three. Great pod. Jonah is my God. Five stars. Whoa. We got to get Janice the best doctors. Um, <laughs> but thank you, Janice. I, I really appreciate yes. that. Um, uh, I, I don't need any oxen, but there are brown liquors that you could, you know, you could leave at my doorstep. Um, uh, this has been iTunes reviews of the remnant. And now we need to put in like a silly sound effect because it's yeah. drive time radio, yeah. Yeah. or or like a right. um, like a giant, you know, shush anvil spat smack sound. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I, 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 I I'm not really good at describing onomatopoeia. Uh, uh, yeah, that's it's an excellent word. Um, yeah. I'll see what I can do sound wise. People, people would probably believe that you had somehow dropped an anvil on me if you put that sound effect in there. It will be a few well, sided jit. After you get the anvil sound, you know, going or whatever it is, the impact yeah. sound, um, just get a, like a two second sound of, of guy screaming in agony. <laughs> and, and Which should be easy to find. We have yeah, a database I mean, of that at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, like, seriously, all, if I just had my, you know, voice memo stuff running i would have like right. 10 of those a day of guys screaming in agony oh I, so i let enough with the review stuff um i'll just be very clear we like the feedback we like positive feedback yes. obviously we like positive feedback more than negative feedback if it's sincere but we don't mind negative feedback if it's if it's constructive um, constructive criticism is okay Constructive criticism is okay. Um, you filthy Zionist whore is not something I can really <laughs> work with, but um, <laughs> but I, I get quite a lot of it. Um, and uh, um, and I don't want to talk about. I mean, we can talk about the Israel stuff if you guys want. But like, um, I was talking to David about it yesterday. It is amazing how quickly anti-Semitism stuff just comes out of the woodwork whenever the topic mm. is Israel. And what's funny about it is um, uh, the, like, even among, so there's, there, how to put this, there's all sorts of different kinds of anti-Semitism, but, and I've gotten all of it, you know, in part because I have the Jewish name, this side of, you know, Shlomo Abramowitz, but, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but there's there's a weird pro-Israel anti-Semitism that I've run into for years on the right, which is, um, I'll get asked from, you know, again, very decent people who don't realize the internal problems of their own logic, where they will say um, stuff like, well, Jonah, you're an expert on Israel. It's like, no, no, not. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I mean, like, guy's not an expert on england i mean like sometimes you're just you know <laughs> Clearly. Like, just having a name you know doesn't whatever and then uh but then there's the more serious one which is where and this guy at this yacht newsmax did this the other day where basically says any jewish democrat who uh any jew who votes democratic is um uh hate he says he says hates their home country Mm. And I mean, this is a particularly acute form of asinine framing, because you know, first of all, yeah. like, it's not most American Jews' home country, you know, right, right. Uh, any more than Ireland is Brian's home country. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, but there's this idea that I get asked it all the time: How come 
Jews vote Democrat when they're so bad on Israel. And implicit in that is that Jews are supposed to be like the only thing they care about is, is Israel. Right. And it, right. it's, and, um, which is usually the charge from left wingers at right wing Jews is like, Oh, dual loyalty, dual loyalty. But it's really it, the same charge of dual loyalty is embedded in the question. Um, and it's all over the place. And, and there are a lot of Jews who don't help this, who try to, you know, there are a lot of pro-Israel Jews who try to guilt and shame and, 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 and herd Jews into voting as single issue voters on Israel, which yeah. other people hear and think, okay, well, that must be the case. And they don't realize that the reason why these Jews are doing it is precisely because they're mad that so many American Jews don't vote as single issue Israel voters. And they're mm -hmm. trying to guilt them into doing it. You wouldn't need to mm -hmm. say it if that's how they actually voted on these things. I don't know how I got into this, but oh, because I made a joke about anti-Semitic email. We don't need to dwell on this. Um, <laughs> but I did want to circle back to uh, that. The whole reason why I was complaining about Kamala Harris's laugh was they did this segment on Morning Joe this morning, which I watch for an assortment of reasons. I I, I can make. I could like you know in debate sometimes how they will ask you to take one side and then take the other side just to test yeah. your debate skill kind of thing. <laughs> I could give you ninety seconds on why Morning Joe is actually a really great show that adds much to our American discourse, and I could give you ninety seconds on why it is a flaming garbage monster. And <laughs> um, uh, and I sometimes will go back and forth between those two positions over the course of a five minute segment. And oh, just admit it, Jonah, you love Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, they, they, they'll do segment highbrow segments on serious topics that I mean, point out another cable show that does that kind of stuff. It's you know, it's yeah, it's, it's the only show that does anything like their you know, long conversations on you know, Roth or or uh, you know, artificial intelligence or whatever. You know, I mean, they, they had a debate between Ramesh Panuru and that Anon guy about you know whether it's a progressive era, and it was um, it was great. You know, and they yeah. do a lot of good things, and then they just just wallow, wallow like like Bill Clinton in a pool of interns in liberal <laughs> conventional wisdom stuff, and it drives me crazy. And um, so anyway, uh. So they did this segment about how the CDC now says you can take off your masks and they go to one of the clips was cutting to Kamala Harris talking to somebody saying, it is just so good to see you. And she was doing it like a double entendre because it was about taking right. masks off. And then she laughed so hard. <laughs> you would think like she'd be the next scene. She'd be wheeled on a gurney to have a hernia operation. And, and, <laughs> Um, but, uh, we should talk about you know, the, 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 mask thing. Like, so, so yeah. Nick, you're in Indiana, right? Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and listeners, I want people to know this by his own choice. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, did the CDC, the CDC announcement, do you think it's going to change much of what you see on a day-to-day -day basis? Because I can't imagine uh, there's a lot of mask wearing there as it is yeah i mean the the it really is I, I i feel like it has become kind of a cliche thing to point it out over the course of the last year year and two months at this point but it really is a very different culture around the masking thing to to the degree where there's there are parts of it that make sense and are on the correct side of capital t yeah. capital s the science and then there are parts of it that are are clearly sort of culture war-y. Um, or maybe not necessarily culture war type stuff. It's just a kind of not not caring. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me, I, I only have been here for a little while, but the, the culture was kind of never that it was mandatory indoors. Yeah. Um, yeah. People didn't really seem to care. I mean, maybe there there's some greater enforcement because they had to yell at people, but it's just sort of, it sort of appears to be optional for a yeah. lot of people indoors. And then outdoor mask wearing has been nothing um, yeah. the entire time, yeah. essentially there. It doesn't happen, um, which is, which is fine. 
right? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you know, no one's doing it, you know, uh, waving their American flag, rah, rah, you know, all of that sort of stuff. It's just kind of the population density is way lower or whatever. What is interesting is um, we're kind of near a college town right now. And um, there's a very interesting political difference there, which is that that is the only place that I have seen any of the news impact at all, including mm-hmm. the CDC's statement about masks, which was a little unnerving, actually. I mean, whatever you might have to say about whether or not, uh, you know, people have had a moral obligation to wear masks indoors and, and that people should be doing that, totally open to all of those arguments. But uh, it is interesting to see this kind of sinister thing, which is that the second you talk to the people who kind of work at the college or who were maybe from out of state or whatever, there's kind of this sense of like, did you hear the CDC said that we can take our masks (laughs) off now? And there is kind of this sense that like this, uh, you know, not to sound very cranky or whatever, but this unelected bureaucratic center of basically (laughs) the federal government somehow has granted us the right to do that. Yeah. By your leave, sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there there yeah. is a serious cultural difference there because most uh, no one else outside of that community has said anything about it, and yeah, those yeah. people at it, within the academic community are obsessed with it. Uh, it's it's a very interesting cultural divide, mm-hmm. and it's cliche, but it's real, you know, which is interesting. It, yeah. Except, I mean, I, I'm with you. I believe that that's part of what's going on here, and that's why the MSNBC crew was like, you know, I mean, like. They finally stopped having reporters wearing masks, you know, on yeah. location outside, mm-hmm. which was idiotic. All I mean, I loved during the pandemic seeing these people like we're here at the beach, you know, like, like with their big, with their freaking masks we're constantly, on. We're constantly like lifting it back up over their nose as they're yeah. talking. That was <laughs> right. But nobody around them, and you know, yeah. all muffled, and uh, and it was so clearly theater rather than like a serious thing. But, um. The what's going to be interesting. I mean, I know I've been talking about this a bunch, but what's going to be interesting now is the the people who go sort of like the paranoid style American politics point. Yes, it's creepy and weird that there were people who were following the CDC as if it had like oracular authority in everything, yeah. and the people who believe the science, which is of course yeah. a garbage understanding of science. Um, I'm saying garbage a lot today. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but now, I mean, like, it'll be interesting to see how many places reject the science. Right. Because they're addicted to the culture war and the virtue signaling and their brains have been reprogrammed by COVID, COVID to, to, to be terrified of, of germs. Right. Um, and, and I got to say, you know, I mean, not to get too pundity on this thing, the Biden administration is very lucky that so many people haven't been paying attention and that now that the CDC is basically where most Americans were anyway, a lot of this is just going to fall down the memory hole, but right. their messaging has been awful. It was, uh, uh, Carol Markowitz was pointing out on Twitter two days ago, uh, the head of the CDC, Rachel Walensky, you know, uh, was saying how she's not going to send her kid to summer camp because, yeah. you know, it's too dangerous and they've been, you know, and like now she's like, you know, you don't have to wear a mask indoors or outdoors if you've been vaccinated. Yeah. Well, like right. what what breathtaking study has come right. out in the last 48 <laughs> exactly. hours that changed her mind? And yeah. did you guys see her announcement at all? Yeah. When she when she teared up that or no, the, the, just the one where she announced the ma- the new mask policy. Like, oh, no, I didn't see her. No. Yeah. So I mean, Ryan worked in TV. Um, I used to be a television producer. Um, uh, you guys, you know, I mean, I don't know guy i guess they still have on the on those islands out there puppet shows or whatever but um <laughs> the um the background for it she looked like it was like this weird blue screen thing and yeah it looked like she was about to say you know thank you for buying our new ge uh microprocessing uh medical incubator uh, let us walk <laughs> yeah. you through your XG9 4000 
<laughs> and the steps for setting it up. You know, I mean, it was like this, it looked like an industrial instruction video. Yeah. And and I was like, who's like, 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 who's running the media operation over there? I think that this is like the warm and funny, you know, reassuring right. thing that is going to be blasted around on cable television for days. Right. It's just weird. Right. Yeah, yeah, they should have a, had it like in a conference room with people around, and like, like, or with like hugging or something. Kids I don't or know. puppies, yeah, or yeah, exactly, like, yeah. or actual like medical books on a shelf behind her. It was just, it was weird, yeah. and it kind of like you feel it like burning your retina or siphoning off your vitamin D. Just the, the <laughs> light yeah. came off of it. Um, um, I guess the counter argument, right, is that it's the CDC, and they don't really care about what it looks like. They're just trying to tell you what tell you what to do, but. Yeah, I mean, it could I mean, be. It, it, I mean, like, you know, like, uh, there's that guy who uh, runs that place that guy lives in, uh, Boris Johnson, where the <laughs> the the um, <laughs> the point of his hair is to sh- signal that he doesn't care about his hair, right? Um, right. Yeah. And there are any. Uh, we all know lots of people like this who spend an enormous amount of time uh, trying to appear like they don't care about how they look. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe that's what the CDC is going for is this very uh, yeah, studied, exactly. you know, antiseptic. We're just about the science <laughs> thing. Um, sure, yeah. it also looked, what was the name of the company in the, um, the, the mysterious or that company agency in, um, in lost. Oh, the uh, Dharma initiative. Yeah. It looked a little bit like a Dharma initiative video. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they should have put the fake like clipping out of the, the video and maybe it had some, some, some <laughs> Cigarette burn lines and that kind of stuff on it. That would have made it look because if it's if it's what you're describing it as, it sounds like the previous one that she did, where she started tearing up and talking about impending doom and all of that. Where she's yeah, also in front of like same thing, yeah. some sort of a some sort of a powder blue CDC branded background. Yep. But you're yeah. just watching a woman cry on a Zoom call. It's not really the most inspiring thing. I don't know. Yeah, and also just sort of as cinematography, you kind of expect mid-sentence a zombie to come from off screen <laughs> and bite her in the neck and then the screen goes blank right it just looks like the first yeah. five minutes of a lot of zombie movies it does look a little purgy like the, yeah. like the purge movies a little bit <laughs> all right so we should we should uh start wrapping this up i still got to write a g file and you know and, and prepare for all the email from people saying i'm this podcast shows how obsessed with, with Trump I am. There, um, there is one piece of very, very exciting news that I did want to let you in on. Actually, basically live. We haven't really talked about this. Um, whoa. They, they are the, the good people at Mea Culpa with Michael Cohen very desperately want you on their podcast for reasons that are yet to be explained to me. <laughs> how do you feel? <laughs> Mike, Cooley Mike. Law grad Michael Cohen? <laughs> um uh, taxi cab medallion king michael cohen um <laughs> uh um all right so, so just first uh um we should probably off air come up with a set policy about surprising the host with real live <laughs> decision-making events <laughs> um, the policy is do it all the time yeah. more or less um, surprise him uh like like you shouldn't like oh and jonah you know you have to do guys evaluation uh, <laughs> jonah uh, the audit got rejected you need to send it um uh and jonah you left that that giant bottle of tetracycline on your desk again. Uh, no, so uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, there you go. That's the answer. I, I, <laughs> that noise. That noise I, is the answer. I will think about it. Um, uh, I so this this way. Let's let's take it out of the context of this actual decision for just two seconds. This raises. Yes a common problem in the world of punditry. Um, There is a certain amount of accepted theater in this stuff in the sense that um, you're not supposed to like break the fourth wall as it were and criticize people for stuff outside the bounds of the topic that you're supposed to be discussing. 
like if I were to um, go on, I don't know, uh, Bill Maher show and then bring up stuff, personally attack Bill Maher, you know, for stuff that he's done outside of the show that has nothing to do with the question he asked me, that kind of stuff. It's, it's poor form. And, um, Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to like, if you accept an invitation to do something, you're supposed to play along and that kind of thing. And there are times when that's tough because there are people who, um, again, taking all person, no individual personality in, in particular into consideration. Um, there are people with whom you, for whom you have very little, little respect or that you have long standing disagreements with. And, but if you accept an invitation, you have to play nice, right? I mean, yeah. that's just sort of good manners. Otherwise you would just say no. And, and if you violate that, it's kind of jerky. And, uh, some people who pull it off, like, uh, like Christopher Hitchens, I think kind of did that kind of stuff, but that's in part because it was a, an Aesopian kind of thing. You know, you knew what the scorpion was, you knew what Christopher Hitchens is. And you invite him on, he's going to, you, you know, never know what that guy's going to do. Um, so my problem with Michael Cohen, which I have to adjudicate, but I've, since I've written this elsewhere, there's this, it's sort of like there's this age old, take Cohen out of her two seconds again. There's this age old thing in, in sort of mainstream media. There, there, there are, there are analogous things on the right, but it's just different because there's an asymmetry between, say, the role of the New York Times and NBC News, sorry, Ryan, um, and the Washington Post than there is, like, National Review and whatever, right? But um, where you get whistleblowers for their own, for, from their own side who then get lionized into being, like, profound people of conscience and decency and you know, mm-hmm. perspicacious insight into the human soul, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? John Dean, who was, you know, part of the whole Watergate thing mm-hmm. and just a horrible, deceitful, ridiculous person, um, who, yeah. um, I don't think has gone more than eight months in 30, 40 years without saying something, at least when a Republican was in office, without saying, I think this may be worse than Watergate. Um, <laughs> you know, that was sort of just his job, was to come out and be the guy who says, this may be worse than Watergate. And um, you get, and so like, they've done, this, they've done this with Michael Cohen, you know, who you know, yeah. used to say he would take a bullet for Trump, and then all of a sudden he gets in legal jeopardy. And he's talking about how Trump is a threat to America and racist and all these kinds of things. It's like the idea that Michael Cohen didn't know who Donald Trump was before <laughs> prosecutors put the squeeze on him. I just, yeah. I don't believe now he, that said, he may be, you know, sincere in his conversion and all this. He may be sincere in how he's seen the errors in his ways and all that kind of thing. Um, I just don't know that I care enough to find out. <laughs> Um, so uh we'll take this under advisement later um and uh i guess that's all we got um think um, so yeah uh you know maybe we if we start doing this more often maybe we should do favorite moments from the podcast earlier in the week that could be yeah you know it's a good one Klan or 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 yeah. you know, Ferguson or that kind of stuff. I, I, um, I do have a favorite line from the past week of G Files, by the way. What's which was that? brought brought to my attention on Twitter and and I remembered how much I loved the line, which is I don't even remember the context, but about Perfect. something you wrote that a subject was a shimmering ball uh disco ball of absurdity radiating inanity from every angle which was very good so <laughs> wow so kudos that on that good. one yeah Klon, um, i i would be, so i feel kind of shamefaced about this kind of stuff i've i've used disco ball as a uh uh as a metaphor a few times and it's often mm-hmm. radiating facets of asininity or inanity in various right. directions um because there are only so many objects physical objects that lend themselves to metaphors that radiate anything out in all directions and right. disco ball yeah. is the one I, right. my brain always goes to, but I am open to other 
useful things because there are lots of things that radiate asininity and inanity in all directions in yeah. our life. And I can't describe them all as disco balls. So lava right. lamp, maybe I use lava lamps quite a bit, um, but it's okay. a slightly different, you know, dynamic going on. Yeah. There. I mean, yeah, I, I like metaphors the way some people really like other things. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, so I'm always I'm always on the lookout for that kind of thing. Uh, thank you, Guy, for whatever the hell you did. Uh, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> thank you, Nick. And uh, I don't know when I'll have you back to do this. Um, I don't know if I'll ever have you back to do this, but um, <laughs> uh, I am I am nothing if 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 not a fickle servant of my listeners. So uh, thank you all, and um, we'll see you next time. No, you no, won't. It's a, no, you won't. No, you won't. It's a podcast. This is a podcast.